offering on the altar of incense in the tabernacle of Moses. Even though we're talking about the tabernacle of Moses, we're really talking about a shadow or a type of the tabernacle of God. When we bring the tabernacle of Moses into the New Testament experience, the purpose is to bring us into the tabernacle of God. So in this hour, we're going to be sharing on the altar of incense. One of the frustrations that's in the church is trying to find how to pray in a satisfactory way and in a way that you know that God is responding to what you're saying. Everywhere I go, we hear people pray, but they're not praying incense prayer. They're praying something much, much less than what God intended for the church to pray. And that's the source of this dissatisfaction that you find in the prayer life of the church. One of the problems is that the church is praying self-centered prayers, selfish prayers, bless me and bless us type of prayers. And it seems like the church looks at God as their servant. And they want to send him here and send him there to accomplish this work and that work. So the church becomes the expediter and God becomes the, the servant who does, goes and does whatever we tell him to do. But that's not how God is. God is the one who designs. It's God's will that has to be done. And man's will is irrelevant. When you study the kingdom of God, you find that whether man is happy or not, or that whether man's needs are met or not, is all irrelevant. The only thing that counts in the kingdom of God is, is God happy? Is God's purpose being fulfilled? Is God's will being done? And are we bringing joy to his heart? But somehow the church has got this all mixed up. And they think that God has to bring joy to their heart. And that God has to do their will. In fact, a few years ago, there was a book written, one of these how-to books, that said, how to get God to do what you want him to. It's a trick, I guess, to get God to do whatever you want him to do. But God is not in the business of doing the will of man. Otherwise, you'd have one man telling him one thing, another man telling him another thing, another woman telling him something else, another woman telling him something else, and it would be total confusion if God did the will of man. But if all men did the will of God, there'd be no problem. They'd all be flowing in the right direction. So when we study the altar of incense, we're studying the prayers of the saints. And we'll do some of those scriptures in Revelation where it says, and the incense one up, which are the prayers of the saints. So when we're studying the altar of incense, we're studying the prayer life of the church. Now the church we were sharing in this last hour was pictured in the lampstand. <clears throat> the lampstand is the church. The seven flames of fire are illuminating everything in front of it. And what they're illuminating is the showbread. In the last hour, we were sharing that the showbread gives us the revelations to burn incense. So, if we can see this 
from God's viewpoint, or if we looked at it from above, we'd see a progression from repentance to forgiveness of sins to justification here through the blood of Jesus and through faith. We can see the changing of our old manner of life, our old garments. We can see our baptism in water. We can see the putting on of the priestly garments. We can see the anointing here. And we can see the consecration of the priests. And following the consecration, we had a veil here, the second veil, which speaks of Jesus the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. He is all those things. But it's the lampstand that illuminates the showbread. It's the showbread that gives us the revelation to burn incense. And the showbread doesn't give us what man wants. The showbread gives us what's on God's heart. So the showbread says that we meet at God's mouth. We come into his presence. We meet at his mouth to see what he will say to us. To receive our instruction. Or the showbread would speak to us of the rhema of God. This labor in Ephesians 5.26 says that we might be washed in the water of the word. That's logos. But when it comes to the voice of God, that's the rhema. That's the now word. That's what God is saying at the moment to us. And that's what we receive here at the showbread. We, the word that we receive at the showbread is what we use to burn incense. Here. Now we see God's purpose unfolding from, from the restoration and man's need being met, met to the, the foundations and the, the progression of man into God's purpose so that God's purpose can be met. Most people stop when, when their needs are met. But the church needs the revelation that there is no place to stop until God's need is met. And it's at the altar of incense that man joins in with God to get God's purpose done on the earth as it's being done in heaven. So with that introduction, we want to study the altar of incense. Because the altar of incense, within the structure, and within what he says to burn, and what he says not to burn, how he says to do it, how he says not to do it, in all of that is a revelation of what it means for the lampstand church to carry out the purpose of God in praying down the will of God upon the earth. So in Exodus 30... We have several scriptures we need to read in order to get the background of what this is about. <clears throat> and in verse 1, he says, Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place for burning incense. You shall make it of arcasia wood. Its length shall be a cubit, and its width a cubit. It shall be square, and its height shall be two cubits. Its horns shall be one piece with it. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Its top and its sides all around, and its horns... And you shall make a gold molding all around it, or a crown. And you shall make two gold rings for it under the molding. And you shall make them on the two sides, or four gold rings, on opposite sides. And they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. 
You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is over the ark of the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. And when Aaron trims the lights, lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer any strange incense on this altar or a burnt offering or a meal offering. You shall not pour out on it a libation. So here he gives us the structure of the lampstand and he gives us things that we need to burn on it and things that you can't burn on it. So the altar of incense speaks about the eternal purpose of God. It speaks about the place where God's eternal purpose is carried out. Now, if we looked at the gold in the lampstand, we would say this speaks to us of the character of God. This is why it's gold, and this is why it doesn't have wood in it. This was solid gold. Not it was hollow, but it was solid gold, or pure gold, not solid gold, pure gold that was hammered into that shape. But it wasn't hammered around wood. There was no wood in the lampstand. This table was wood overlaid with gold. And this altar of incense was made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Then it had a crown around the top, had four horns on it, which he mentions there. And the purpose of God, which God purposed before the foundation of the world, is being carried out at the altar of incense today. Now, this is why I say that. In Genesis 1.26, he said, Let us make man in our own image, and after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. And over all the earth. So, in the very beginning, God gave man dominion to rule over the earth. Man had dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over everything that moved upon the face of the earth, and over all the earth. But man never had dominion over himself. God reserved his sovereignty over man. But man had sovereignty over the earth as long as he was functioning under the sovereignty of God. Now in Psalm 8, and also in Hebrews 2, he reiterates what that dominion is. And he reconfirms that God's mind never got changed. That what he purposed in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is still the purpose that he purposes today for the church. Now, when man fell and came out from under the sovereignty of God, then he lost his dominion over the earth. God never gave sovereignty and dominion to Satan. Satan just usurped it. He just assumed it. But he has no God-given authority on this earth. But he acts like he does. And many people think he does. And so they submit to his authority. But when man is redeemed, 
he comes back to a regeneration or a new genesis. And in the new genesis, God wants to give him dominion again back upon the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ had dominion upon the earth when he was here. When he said to the fish, come up, spit out the money you got in your mouth, the fish did it. When he commanded the storms to stop, the storms did. Because he was man. He was real man. And he just assumed the dominion that God gave man in the beginning. So when he ministered, he ministered as the son of man. He didn't minister as the son of God. He was the son of God. He had to be the son of God in order to die on Calvary and provide forgiveness of sins for man. But when he ministered, he ministered as a man like everybody else. After he, was, after he had died on the cross and was resurrected, he said, all authority now is given to me on earth and also now in heaven. Heaven, the authority over heaven was added to man. Not to everybody, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the last Adam. He is the second man. So in Christ, we have been given authority. Or he said, all authority in heaven has been given unto me. Therefore, you go and preach the gospel to every creature. So we go in his authority. Man's desire yet, according to Psalm 8 and Hebrews 2, it now is to have a man who will rule over all the works of his hands. Not just over the earth, but over all the works of God's hands. Now, throughout the scriptures, we find clues to how much that includes. Jesus said to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So the God of the universe, the creator God, the God who designed it all and purposed everything before the foundation of the world, that God is willing to share his throne with man. It's incredible when you think what God is offering to man. But it's not offered to everybody. It's offered to him who overcomes. So the question is, how do we learn to overcome? Where is our apprenticeship training for the eternal kingdom of God? And the answer is, at the altar of incense. So everything that we see in the tabernacle comes to a focus upon one piece of furniture. The altar of incense. You see how this is the end of all these experiences. These are all a progression. But the end of those things is right there at the altar of incense for the period in which we live. For the church age, this is the end of God's purpose for us. Now, it's at the altar of incense that man comes into the circle of God's sovereignty and learns to rule with him. Not according to man's will, but to step into the circle of God's sovereignty and rule according to the will of God. When they asked Jesus how to pray, he said, 
The Father knows what you need before you pray. So you don't have to tell him what you need. Because he already knows. This is how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. So what Jesus was saying was, God already knows what you need. Now, why don't you pray what he needs? Why don't you meet his desire? His desire is the same operation in heaven, where all the will of God is being done, that that same will would come to the earth and be done here, in the same measure as being done there. So where is it now that man prays that prayer? It's at the altar of incense. See? So if we could see this, this pattern coming together, it focuses upon this one piece of furniture, the altar of incense. <clears throat> now, here in Exodus 30, it says that this altar is in front of the veil. That's true. That's where it was. But in Hebrews uh, ninth chapter, it says that this is behind the veil. He says in verse 2, For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one which were the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle which is called Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant, covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna, Aaron's rod which budded, and the tables of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. So in Hebrews he says that this ark is not in front of the altar, this veil, but this ark, this, this altar is behind the veil. So we say, which way is it? Is it in front of the veil or is it behind the veil? In Matthew 28, verse 51, it says that when Jesus was crucified, this veil was torn from top to bottom, which indicates that the power to rip it came from above. It wasn't an accident. You know, it just didn't, because the ground shook a little bit, the, ta- the, the veil just fell apart. It wasn't an accident. It was torn from top to bottom, indicating that God opened the way into the most holy place when Jesus died. <clears throat> so when this, when this veil is torn or opened up, this altar of incense is now in the most holy place. It's right before the Ark of the Covenant. Now when they set up the original tabernacle, they set the Ark of the Covenant, then they set the altar of incense. Then they put the veil in. Indicating that the altar of incense always was intended to be before the ark. And this smoke was supposed to go up before God day and night. The reason it was placed before the veil, or the veil was put between it and the ark, was because the Old Testament priests had no access in the most holy place at all. And they had to burn fragrant incense morning and night. Therefore, it had to be in the holy place. But it was never for the holy place. The altar of incense was always designed to be for God. 
When we read it there, it says the incense is for God. And when we read the rest of the requirements, we'll find that nobody could make any incense like that for themselves. It is exclusively for God. <clears throat> now, if we put this into a perspective, we say that at the, the lampstand, we find the character of God. At the showbread, we find the purpose of God. And at the altar of incense, we find the sovereignty of God. All the gold in these three things speak about character, purpose, and sovereignty. We were showing why this was speaking about the purpose of God, because that was the revelation of what was on God's heart. This is what we were hearing from God's mouth at the showbread. We are also receiving our food there, because this had to be eaten. But the revelations they receive at the, at, the, at the showbread is then brought to the altar of incense to offer up prayers unto God according to God's will. One of the things that is God's will is that the kingdom which is functioning in heaven in that same measure would come and function upon the earth. So <clears throat> why doesn't God just do it? Why didn't God say, it's my will for the kingdom to come, let the kingdom come? The reason is because God gave man dominion on the earth. And God is not going to usurp man's dominion. Whenever man asks God to do, then he will. In Jeremiah, he told him, I'm going to do this, that, 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 and that. He told him everything he wanted to do in Israel. Nevertheless, he said, I will be inquired of by my people to do it. That seems strange. The reason is, man had dominion upon the earth, and God is going to wait until man asks him. Then he will do it. See, the problem is that man thinks he can devise whatever he wants to ask. He can ask for Cadillacs or summer homes or any, any frivolous thing, and God has to give it to him. Because man doesn't discern his relationship with the sovereign God. God never gave up his sovereignty over the earth. He gave his sovereignty to man and let man have sovereignty over the earth, but God never gave up his sovereignty over man. But whenever man now, who has sovereignty and dominion on the earth, whenever man inquires of God and asks for the will of God, finds out what the will of God is and asks for it, God will do it. There's no question about that. If you pray anything after his will, he'll hear you. And if you know that he hears you, you have the petition that you desire from him, 1 John 5. So this whole area of asking and receiving hinges upon a truth. And the truth is whether or not it flows within the will of God. So people are asking ridiculous, irrelevant things from God. And it has nothing to do with man establishing the purpose of God upon the earth. <clears throat> 
So at the altar of incense now, God wants to bring us into the circle of his sovereignty. And let us stand right in his presence. Because there's no longer a veil here. So when you're standing at the altar of incense, you're standing in the presence of God. Since the new Jerusalem is not yet made, the ark is not available to us. The throne is not available to us yet. That's available to the overcomers who inherit those things which we see in the New Jerusalem. In, in, in Revelation 21, and he says, He who overcomes shall inherit these things. And that's all including everything in the New Jerusalem. But that's not available to us now. This is as far as we can go in the sovereignty of God today. And that is the altar of incense, or when we step into the circle of God's sovereignty and pray God's will down upon the earth. So this is where we receive our apprenticeship training for God's eternal purpose. Or we learn to rule with God at the altar of incense. We're in training to rule in eternity. Where are we going to be trained? You can't go to the pastor, see? We have to go to God. And this is where God shows us his will. This is where God speaks to us. And this is where it is enacted at the altar of incense, see? <clears throat> so it's the, this, this training time where we find the will of God, and then we step into the circle of God's sovereignty to exercise man's dominion over the earth and asking God to come and do his will upon the earth. We're learning what is to hear his voice, we're learning what his will is, and we're learning how to exercise authority. <clears throat> so we call this the holy place life and ministry. The reason is we can't separate life from ministry. This is first a life before it's a ministry. If you don't have the life, you can't do the ministry. See, because these, these pieces of furniture here are preparing us to step over that veil or through that veil, which is life. He is the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. So this has to be a life, and it has to be a ministry. Now in 2 Chronicles 29, when he describes this work, he says about the priests, that God has chosen them to stand before him, to minister to him, to burn incense, and be his minister. So the ministry is three-fourths toward God, one-fourth toward man. Let me say it again. God has chosen you, he said to the priest, to stand before him, to minister to him, to burn incense, and then be his minister. So three-fourths of the ministry is toward God. 
One-fourth is toward men. Now, when that gets out of proportion, it doesn't work. See, now what we're trying to do in the church is nine-tenths toward man and one-tenth toward God. Or in ministries today, they made a survey of, I forget, a thousand pastors or something like that. And they find out that most pastors, the average is about 15 minutes a day they pray. Well, you know that nobody's burned incense. <laughs> they don't burn incense. They're just praying. Lord, bless what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> or they're rebuking the devil or something. <clears throat> so studying the altar of incense is essential if the church is going to fulfill the purpose of God and pray the will of God down on the earth. Everybody's saying, what will the next revival bring? We're saying there's not going to be a next revival if there's no consecration, if there's no commitment in the church. There cannot be the next revival because God has brought us up to this veil, which is truth, reality. And until people make that commitment to do the will of God, to serve God, whatever it costs, wherever it takes them, whatever it means, and they give their whole life and body to God as a living sacrifice, God is not going to be able to get pure gold. And if you can't get pure gold, you can't get a pure lampstand, pure gold lampstand. If you can't get a pure gold lampstand, there's no place to put the lamps that will illuminate the showbread to find out what the will of God is for our day, the rhema, the now word for 1997. See? This is where you find out. Then they need to bring that revelation to the altar of incense and inquire of God to do what he said he wanted to do. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> As we see the position of the, lamp, of the lampstand now, or the altar of incense, we see that it is in God's presence. Now, we experience the presence of God on Sunday morning, but it's not the Shekinah presence. It's not the Shekinah glory. We say, oh, it was a glorious meeting, but it's not the Shekinah glory. See, when John saw Jesus after the resurrection, he felt like a dead man, right? He... <laughs> He, he saw a little bit of the Shekinah and felt like a dead man. So we haven't got that in our churches yet, where everybody falls like, falls like dead men. <clears throat>